0: Ah, the open road. It calls to everyone, but it's no place to kid around. Ah! And Gus isn't your ordinary kid. Ah, he knows a man has to go. Want to play this with me? Be it, kid. Where a man has to go. I play Motorama. Spelled out Motorama, grand prize of $500 Motorama,
1: How did you make enough money to buy a fancy set of wheels like that? I sold my stamp collection.
0: But there's more than one game on the road. Hey, old pirate. Old pirate? Billy, you say win. (laughs) Win. I thought you said you
1: were
0: going to let me win a little bit. I lied. Loss builds character. You don't have a girl with you, do you? No. He plays Motorama. <laughs> Say, Mister, can we borrow your backseat for a quickie? I've got a long way to go. A long way to go.
1: contest
0: will never expire. Martha Quinn, Garrett Morris, Michael J. Pollard, Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Drew Barrymore, Meatloaf, and introducing Jordan Christopher Michael. Motorama, the ultimate road odyssey, from the writer of After Hours. Hello, up. No. Empty it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to They Called Us A Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Called Us A Movie. We are part of the Main Damie Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at themaindamie. We are also now a proud member of Geek 5's Nation, and you can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Called Us A Movie. This is Anthony D'Avecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, friends.
0: Hello. This week, I think I found out that watching uh, a movie like this while playing a video game that I'm playing right now doesn't really mix, because I don't think I got the same enjoyment out of it the two of you have, but we'll get into that later.
1: Oh, great. Mark paid half attention to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Way to tell on yourself, Mark.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm more leaning towards that I probably didn't like it.
1: All right. Because well, wow. Okay. Well, before we get into the movie that we watched this week... What else have you guys been watching?
0: I
2: know,
1: it, I know Mark's answer uh, already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, It was a slow week for me. I binge watched F is for Family on Netflix. And man, that show, I don't know how it gets away with a lot of the stuff it does. They're very on the edge with what they get away with. It's, it's a pretty good show. I, I, I don't know if it'll be picked up again for another season or if it already has. But I'm a big Bill Burr fan and I'm glad to see him uh, kind of getting his due now.
1: Was this a new season or?
2: Yeah, the fourth season came out a week or two ago, I want to say. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's uh, they introduced Pilbur's character's father, played by the gentleman who I forget his name in Breaking Bad, but he's like the cleaner, the bald guy who used to be a cop. OK, yeah. Mike,
1: Mike. Uh, for some reason, I can't think of his real name. Mike, Mike was Airman Trout. Oh, OK. Airman was... Trout.
2: He was yeah. but he's got an awesome voice and he plays Frank's father, who was just a total dick to him as a kid, and then he shows up and he's all super nice to everybody and it's just an interesting plot. I mean, if you had a dickhead as a dad, then it, it probably hits home, but none of us had that, so it maybe it doesn't resonate as much, but it was a good season. Okay. I've never watched that show. Uh, yeah, I don't think it would be up your alley to be honest. Okay. Prove me wrong though. Yeah. <laughs> That means I would have
1: to watch it. No, right, no. and
0: then Are I you, win. How about no, you, Mark? The, the creators of F for Family in that.
1: That's a good point. It's true. <laughs> Mark, look, tell us how you haven't watched a damn thing because you've been playing The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, uh,
0: I have been doing nothing but playing The Last of Us Part Two, and that includes things I should be doing for Game Ball Pod. I've said it on every broadcast that I've been on, podcast or stream. That game is a lot. If it was a movie, it would be way too intense because the way they spread it out gives you time to process things, as though if they tried to condense it into a two-hour movie, it would be like crank, in a sense, in that the adrenaline's just going and going and going. They have shocking moments, but they aren't done for shock value. Like, they all have a reason for occurring, and um, it's all correct for the situations they're in. The acting's superb, I've been saying this the whole time, by having them do it as though it's like a play on the sound stage with all the little dots on them to motion capture, really sets us apart in terms of video game stuff. It makes it, in some of the cutscenes, probably if you're watching 4K, look as close to a movie as a video game could get. Probably a good CGI movie. I've been on an emotional roller coaster between playing that, then watching this movie that we're doing for this podcast, and then, you know, having to watch Tom play Luigi's Mansion last night on stream. So my emotions have been really up and down. That game's real good. I'm probably, I'm pushing through it. So I'm probably doing it a lot faster than most people will. You should probably take breaks playing that game. So I highly recommend if you like the first game. It doesn't have as much impact if you don't play the first game. It's one of the first sequels to a video game that does that.
2: Can I say real quick? Yeah. Sir, Tom has been killing it on the streams. Yeah. Yeah. His WWE, I think it was like 2001 yeah, yeah. stream, was so funny yeah. because if obviously our listeners may not know Tom, but when he plays games, he gets more and more frustrated as the game goes on. And it's just <laughs> it's it's perfect streaming content. <laughs> I, you have to listen to it. It's the yeah. best. Yeah. friend of the
1: show, he was on uh, our Sonic the Hedgehog episode, yeah. Shout out the Tom. But in terms of what I watch, I haven't really watched much this week. We had a short week this week because we recorded last Thursday and now we're recording on Tuesday. Not to show everybody how the sauce is being made, so we actually have a shortened week. But the one thing I have been watching, I've been getting into, and this is the second time I've attempted to, is Twin Peaks. been watching it on Netflix. I've just finished the first season, and I like it, but it hasn't grabbed me yet. I know people love it, and there's like a cult following for it. And I know the Showtime third season, snooty critics were trying to call it cinema rather than television show because they didn't. They think for some reason TV still has that stigma. It's good, but. Is the gentleman
2: from Twin Peaks also in Dune? Kyle MacLachlan, yes. Okay. I totally forgot that. I, I. Totally forgot I watched Dune over the weekend because that movie was god awful. There you go. Yeah, so I don't understand why people liked
0: him They're making a new Dune.
2: Yeah, that's why I kind of watched it. I was like, I gotta see what the. I totally blanked on it. But there's like a giant fetus in it. I don't know if either of you have seen it. No. Don't do yourself a favor. Don't. It's like two and a half hours of just pure nonsense
0: you're talking about um showgirls Kyle McC yeah.
2: was he in that too I, I can't remember that guy is just he fades into the background
0: yeah I had to look it up on IMDB just to make sure I wasn't having a Dermot Maroney Dylan McDermott situation yeah, he
1: kind <laughs> of fits into that he's good uh, there's actually Jack Nance from this movie that we've watched that is also is in Twin Peaks he has a major role but yeah like I'm really waiting for that turn where it clicks for me I think I'm up and down with David Lynch. There are movies that I love from him, and there's movies that I think are fine. I think Blue Velvet is fine. I really enjoy Eraserhead and Mulholland Drive. I think are excellent films, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, I'm hoping it. I've, I've got a second season left, so I'm probably going to suffer through it. Not really suffer through it, but I'm going to watch through it, and hopefully by the end it clicks. But uh, yeah, that's really all I've watched this week. So that's what I've watched this week. Not much. But this week was my week again. And I think it's become a common thing where I pick the weirdest movies that we'll we'll pick. And this was no exception. This week, I picked a movie I've never heard of before. But reading the description and seeing who had their names attached to it, I kind of had to go with it. There was a movie that I wanted to pick. But it kind of disappeared for Prime, so hopefully maybe it'll show back up once again, and then we'll be able to pick it. But I went with 1991's Motorama, directed by Barry Schills, who directed two other movies, which were both documentaries, but he was a producer on Vampire's Kiss, and was written by Joseph Minion, who also wrote Vampire's Kiss, as well as After Hours. So, gentlemen,
2: Motorama, what do you think of it? Before I say where I'm coming from, I want to say you totally redeemed yourself from your last pick to this pick. Okay. Because you you just went from one extreme to the other, whereas in Love on a Leash was just putrid and a, a crime against cinema. This one is just totally absurd in the fun way, so I want to thank you for that. Okay. Uh, I've, I've never seen it, and I'm happy that I did because this had that that balance where it was like a sandwich where i hated it at the beginning loved the middle loved that that juicy middle and then despise the end it's like put <laughs> it's like we had the like the end of the bread you know what i'm saying oh you had a heel, heel yeah piece? I, I had the heel piece at like just finishing the sandwich so <laughs> man, i am very excited to get into this movie okay yeah, so I, yeah,
0: yeah, I, had, I, I
2: can't wait to hear this one.
0: <laughs> I, I had no idea about this movie and I didn't want to read anything on it going in. So maybe I should have, maybe it would have helped my expectations going in. I spent most of the movie trying to figure out exactly where it was set because it looked like America, but I think he was paying with Canadian money because I don't think that was dollars he was paying with. So that was stirring me off. There, there were parts, except for that whole middle chunk, where it just became absurd after absurd after absurd. The beginning bored me, and then the end, much like Dan. I was like, now it, now it just feels like a giant waste of my time that they <laughs> that they did that ending. I was more bored by it than I thought I would be. I, I couldn't really get into it. The part with meatloaf was fun, and then, you know, that that's about it. It's the only real cameo that i remember being any good there were a couple others but i never got grabbed by it at any point okay
1: if i was a real dick i'd make you do the plot of this movie because i can't (laughs) imagine that you'd be able to
2: (laughs) all all you would have to do mark is say kid just gets his ass kicked he goes from one point to getting his ass kicked to another point where he gets his ass kicked to a third point just getting his ass kicked
0: I, i think i could get all the points of the movie i don't know if i would get them in the correct order (laughs) <laughs> so for me,
1: one thing about me, I love road movies, just the just that kind of episodic, open road sort of thing. I really love it. So this movie won me over there at the beginning, and then you have the star of it, Jordan Christopher Michael, who is not a household name, but I've seen Full House from beginning to end the entire series, maybe like a half dozen times, if not more and Joe, jordan christopher michael plays rusty the rust man the master of disaster in like a three episode arc where he just playing the kid that danny's dating his mom and he's a huge asshole in that in that series arc so i recognize him and then have all the names on it that i'm going to go through in a second and i love absurdist movies like movies that just they throw weird things at you i'm not unlike twin peaks where weird shit happens and there's really barely an explanation for it i was totally into like the the beginning does it it drags in the beginning but then i don't even know where the turn is but it it gets better and better for me the ending i loved i don't know if it was better than the middle part but i i like how it was there is some sort of morality tale it tries to tell at that point which i appreciate them trying to tie that up like that and just the weirdness of everything was cool to me. Like the like the, he's going to states that are fictional states. Mark they are using Dutch currency, even though they shot it completely in the American Southwest. So it's supposed to be America, but it's like a alternate universe America because there are states called like Essex and Bergen and other names. But yeah, no, it's super weird, and I kind of love that. Yes, directed by Barry Schills, written by Joseph Minion, and starring Jordan Christopher Michael, and a bunch of people that have a bunch of cameos. Martha Quinn, John Deal, Jack Nance, Robert Picardo, Garrett Morris, Flea, Mary Waranov, who was second time showing up on the show. We covered Night of the Comet, which she was in, Meatloaf, and Dick Miller, IMDb score of 6.5 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 60%. Budget, its widest opening was in two theaters and it made ten thousand five hundred and thirty five dollars so basically the the basic premise of this show, of this movie is that this kid he is leaving an abusive home which we hear in voiceover and he steals his dad's car or his mom's car we really don't know whose car is, but we're gonna assume it's his dad's mustang um and he just hits the open road and then he hears about this contest motorama contest that is being run by some gas company that he has to collect the the letters that spell out Motorama. And if he does, he's supposed to win $500 million. And it's episodic from there. He tries to hit up up and down these fictional states, but it's basically the American Southwest, California, it's Arizona, uh, Nevada and all that, hitting every gas station he can. Um, in order to pick these, it's kind of like the McDonald's Monopoly game. He's trying to find Boardwalk essentially, and that's that's re- it's a really simple, a simple storyline. It's a lot of him driving, him stopping in random areas, and then interacting with familiar face, and then moving on to the next one. It's kind of cool, but super weird, and I loved
2: it. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll give the movie this. I never knew where it was going with its plot. Because, like, like you said, it is very episodic, but you'd never know what he's gonna get into, yep. And who he's gonna run, you know, run afoul. I'll say because everyone he meets just treats him like total garbage. Oh yeah, he's this a, is what is he yeah. ten years old? Twelve years he's old? Ten. ten. He's ten, and everyone treats him as if he were a grown man. Yep.
1: Yeah, like literally, people just think he's small. Yeah. Uh, the first person he tells he's 10, I think the only person he tells he's ten is just blindsided by the idea that this kid who is obviously a kid is 10 years old so last week we had escape from la and we mentioned how light of an r rating that movie was this is this movie gets earns its r rating oh yeah this kid says fuck a couple times he says shit he says damn a lot and people we see tits i was not expecting a movie (laughs) where our lead is a 10 year old boy and
2: we see tits yeah. Yeah, maybe he was on his he was trying to find the set of tiptoes.
0: Yeah. Maybe. And, and essentially they did a quick cut of an orgasm taking place during that scene of him finding the O card.
1: Yeah, there is something <laughs> really weird juxtaposing a woman orgasming with a kid getting really excited about finding a card that he's been looking for. Very odd. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just there's something about it where I love the absurdity where these people these these two young people are just saying hey can we uh, use your car for a quickie in the middle of you know broad daylight a tourist attraction yeah and the kid doesn't even answer they're like ah oh, we're gonna do it anyway I wish I had had that kind of uh courage to do that
0: the 90s were wild man. I don't remember them being that
2: wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's just one of the many weird moments in this movie.
2: Do you think the kids found them? Or did I mean, they left I don't know. before?
1: I don't you know? know. It's a good question. Cause what, are, it,
2: what are these <laughs> seats in the back, the back of the car? Where, <laughs> Where did these come from? <laughs> Why is
1: it sticky back here? <laughs> right. I don't remember that. Must have spilled <laughs> something. You <laughs> spilled soda? My dad's going to kill me. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. I it, Honestly, I thought this movie was going to be a horror movie when it started. It starts off like a horror movie, and I have that in my notes, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it because the, the soundtrack is very heavy, very, like, dark-sounding, and mm-hmm. you just hear, you know, bottles being broken, the mother screaming, the father berating her, and then there's, like, sparks flying, like, oh, shit, like, what what did Ant get me into? Did he not know what this movie was? <laughs> <laughs> uh you know what this movie wound up reminding me of? The
1: movie North. You ever remember You remember that? Yes. Elijah oh, Wood. God. Yeah, he, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Bruce, That Bruce Willis vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> God, that no, movie think, was awful. That's a famous director's movie, too. And I can't think of who it is. I feel like it's like Francis Ford Coppola, but I might be thinking of Jack. I think,
2: I yeah, if he, I know he did Jack, Francis Ford Coppola. I don't rem- remember who did North, but oof, <sighs> man, that movie was brutal this movie i like this movie more than north i mean
1: i haven't seen north in 25 years but i remember liking it as a kid rob reiner rob reiner directed it. okay
2: yeah. I, I, and who his father is jason alexander
1: yep and his
2: mom is julia julia dreyfus. dreyfus yeah
1: jesse smollett is in this movie
2: <laughs> wait in what north north oh. <laughs> how oh, that's weird <laughs> <laughs> We don't want to go any further. Yeah, we're just going to mention it and move on. He was in it. Let's go. So this movie is pretty fun, too, guys. Yeah. Do you want to get into the plot at this point? Yeah, let's do that.
1: Okay. What do you got for us this week, Dan?
2: Okay, fellas, if you've been listening to our podcast, and by the numbers you have, you know that we like to talk about our good friend Tia who has her own podcast on Geek Vibes Nation. She's a good friend of the show. Her podcast is called Top Ten with Tia, where her and her friends get together and break down top ten lists. So top ten directors, top ten villains, you name it, they have it. So go check them out and give her a shout out.
1: Okay, yeah, we're going to take a few moments to uh, listen to some friends of the podcast, but then we'll be right back with the plot of Motorama. Hey, this is Ken m Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah I was going for more. Or you epic. could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him. Do about I need that to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A from Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back, and now it's time to get into the plot of Motorama. We open on what seems like a horror movie as we get macro shots of tools being used in ominous, high-key lighting. We have hands hard at work on something, but no faces. And a couple that's only in off-screen, only in VO, they argue and they throw bottles at each other. It is violent as fuck, as Dan mentioned earlier. And then we cut away. A kid plops down a ton of rolled-up change at the bank asking for large bills, please. The bank teller is averse to doing her job as she sits there filing her nails, and she says, just because you counted them doesn't mean I'm going to take your word for it. I have to count them, and that's going to take hours. And then he says, okay, then do your fucking job, lady.
0: Uh, and And she
1: begrudgingly does so.
0: And by the way, if they were looking for this to be like a cameo thing, maybe it was in 1991, but I had no idea that was Martha Quinn.
1: That is Martha Quinn, one of MTV's first VJs. Yeah. Definitely doesn't look like Martha Quinn would usually do, would look like on MTV. She looks like a standard kind of mousy bank teller. But yeah, it's Martha Quinn. Eventually, she begrudgingly counts the money. And then we cut to the kid counting some weird looking money in the driver's seat of a Mustang. These were Dutch guilders, which was a pre-European Union
2: Dutch currency. Yeah. Lots of colorful, colorful, <laughs> colorful money. Is there um, a I reason guess, why they chose to use non-American uh, currency?
1: I'm guessing cuz they already have these like these states that aren't real American states that kind of wanted to create another part of the world building, I guess. That just kind of it kind of add to the fantasy aspect of this movie. I mean, I know this movie doesn't really go that far into fantasy until the very end, but I'm guessing that was just the reason.
2: OK, yeah, because that that's an interesting take. Why would you make a brand new country? Is yeah. it maybe because in the eyes of the kid, you know, he's never seen the country, so it's all it's all foreign to him, maybe? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think
1: there are a lot of allegorical elements to this movie that I don't un- don't necessarily get or don't know if they landed. I mean, I think that that whole end is supposed to mean something because it it kind of the snake eating its own tail. It all comes back to, back around. Sure. So I think maybe just the absurdity of of things of the things that happened to him kind of mixing in kind of adds to that absurdity a little bit. But yeah, it definitely could be that, but I'm not sure. I never thought of that.
2: I just thought of it off the top <laughs> of the dome, man. It all it all
1: just came bubbling up. So then the kid drives through the scenic American Southwest in a nice Mustang, drives up to Wagon Wheel, which is just a really shitty diner, orders a cup of coffee and doesn't drink it, then gets hassled by some dude that asks him how he bought the car, he says he stole his sold his stamp collection when he was younger, and that's how he got all his money. And then uh, I think that guy freaks him out, so he just kind of departs and drives on. We then see two dudes dragging an old, nearly unconscious man, and then eventually toss him into a stream. Our Are we kid, sure he's not dead? Uh, he is. He looks he's dying dead. <laughs> he's dying. He's bleeding out in the stream.
0: Yeah, he's very yeah. much alive before they toss
2: him. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was trampled to death at the diner. And then no. they just... This this movie, do, to get rid of all of its problems, they just toss them places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, it's effective, but, you know, kind of I mean, frowned upon. The way,
1: the way they throw this old man into the stream is mirrored by something else that happens at the end of the movie. Right. So... Our kid, whose name is Gus, stops to take a piss, which he does a, a bunch of times in this movie, <laughs> then washes his face in the same stream where the old man is currently bleeding out. But he has no idea. Then Gus drives on and spots a fancy sign that says, Play Motorama. And he gets really excited because apparently he knows what this means. He arrives at a Chimera or a Chimera gas station, where the gas station attendant is currently flying a kite. Gas station attendant's name is Phil, and he talks about the kite itself and how he got his t- picture taken with a police officer, and he stuck it on the kite so he could show the picture to God to show that he's an honest citizen, and hopefully this will lead to his absolution when he dies. He doesn't say God by name, but he says the. Putting it up there closer to him, he says.
0: Yeah, he just uses the, the, the pronouns like him and he yeah. and them.
1: Yeah. You know. So Gus is about to leave before he does. He asks for some Motorama cards and Phil looks high and low. Can't seem to find any. Apparently this is like an old ongoing um, contest that apparently doesn't expire. So seems like nobody's asked for these cards in quite a long time. So Phil can't seem to find them, and then the police officer where that Phil took a picture with shows up for some gas and starts looking over the Mustang. Uh, okay. Gus tries to hide from the cop in the gas station and finds a pack of Motorama cards. And cop, the cop sees Gus in the gas station and asks him who owns the Mustang. Gus says it's his dad's, who's in the bathroom, and the cop leaves.
0: I love that Phil and uh, uh, that that Phil and the cop shake hands and then they get their photo taken. Like yeah. I don't.
2: That's like, a terrible, terribly boring life, by the way. Yeah, shook hands with the, the sheriff. And that's the biggest thing that's happened in this county.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think the, the picture taking was just to, in case he didn't realize, this is the cop that, shook, that he took the picture yeah. with. Um,
2: and and that cop totally abuses his power, right? Because he, he doesn't pay for the gas. He doesn't pay for the food in the convenience store. And then like, he just kind of has his way.
1: So what you're saying is all cops are bastards.
2: That's exactly exactly. what I'm saying. We continue, we continue the proud tradition of ACAB. on <laughs> they called this a movie every time every time there's a cop in one of the movies
1: we watch, they're usually pieces of shit although this guy's really not a piece of shit he's just taking advantage of the the things that phil is offering to him but anyway the cop leaves and phil accosts gus saying he shouldn't lie to police officers and then he just assumes that gus is a murderer and <laughs> gus just says no i'm not a murderer i'm just the fact that i'm 10 years old and i'm driving around and <laughs>
2: hey, what a, a weird Mustang. conclusion to jump to yeah you must be a murderer what i'm 10 (laughs) why would you not just immediately jump to he's running away right why is everyone so dumb in this movie why can't (laughs) anyone tell a 10 year old apart from a you know a little person i don't know so phil apologizes and says
1: he has to work out and how he's working on his own salvation to try and uh, make sure he gets into heaven and gus For some reason, acts like a real dick and undoes the string on the kite, and the kite goes flying away. So Phil goes running, chasing after it, and Gus dries off, and then Phil gets hit by a semi. While listening to some badass generic rock music, Gus pulls into a hotel. And the motel owner is played by Jack Nance from Twin Peaks. And his only worry is that Gus is trying to sneak a girl in without paying extra. And Gus goes into the motel room and reads up on the Motorama contest. Essentially, he's got to collect all the letters that spell out Motorama. And if he does, he'll get $500 million. Contest never expires. One thing that I should note, trying to not spoil it, but let's get... It says specifically that he will, if he collects them all, he will be eligible for a five hundred million dollar prize, and that comes into play at the end, but there he doesn't a, realize it.
2: There's a weird scene in the uh, the hotel part where he's peeling the stickers off of the cards, and he doesn't he doesn't get all the letters right away. And he looks at himself in the mirror, and he kind of turns into a businessman <laughs> who who yep. gives himself a pep talk. Yep. So I, I figured it was going to be one of those movies where it, you know it was almost like Ernest, where he kind of changes characters. Sure. So, I thought the kid was maybe going to go into his imagination, but it's never brought up again mm-hmm. and he never changes characters again. So it's all just, it was useless. Yeah. This, this I, movie does not make a lot of sense. I think, I think, I think they
0: only, they do the mirror trick one more time later mm-hmm. in the movie, but but, yeah.
1: it's, but it's not the kid. It's, exactly. he sees himself as an old man.
2: Yeah, oh, that's right. Yes. The, uh, yeah, that's another out of nowhere. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yeah. so the the motel owner comes back and he tells him if he finds any squirrels uh, to give them to him. Because this motel owner is interested in, in catching squirrels, it has nothing to do with anything. So Gus, Gus spends all night opening up all the cards to minimal success, and then he has a vision of himself in the mirror as a kid in a suit and cigar, which he gives himself a pep talk basically like, you didn't really think it was going to be that easy, did you? The morning comes and Gus finds the motel owner with seven squirrels in a box that he's trying to suffocate with carbon monoxide from his truck. And Gus leaves him doing just that. Did, did almost...
2: anyone notice the dead dog in the truck? No. no. Go back and look. I think there's a dead dog in the truck that is never pointed out. That makes so sense in this way. Yeah. Yeah,
1: 100%. Gus drives on and almost hits a squirrel of his very own, but uh, he manages to swerve around it, and then he drives past that cop that we saw at the gas station and ducks past as he drives by. And then he winds up at a scenic overlook where there's a whole bunch of families and a young couple sees Gus and his Mustang and asks to use the Mustang to fuck. Gus is too busy opening up Motorama cards, so they help themselves with backseat, and then they fuck.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a pretty good scene. It would have been pretty good to see this in uh, Escape from L.A., yeah. 'Cause that's where it would have been warranted.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, There's something unnerving
1: about juxtaposing a woman climaxing with a kid excited to open up Motorama cards. But then he gets excited. He opened he gets one of the cards that he needs and then he moves on. And Gus continues his journey and his tire blows. So he's able to get it to gas station run by Garrett Morris and Michael J. Pollard, Oscar nominee Michael J. Pollard. Gus annoys them about Motorama cards until they give him a bunch off screen And we cut to Gus on the side of the road, unsuccessfully opening a whole bunch of cards. And the cop shows up again, asking where his dad is. And he says he's taking a piss on the side of the road. So the cop is like, man, your dad sure takes a lot of pisses.
2: And he's like, yep. And he's like, okay, bye. (laughs) See you later.
0: (laughs) He does the old bye.
2: Big gulps, huh? Well, see you later.
1: (laughs) Uh, we then get a montage of Gus opening a ho- whole bunch of Motorama cards and he's successfully collecting four of what he needs so far. He then stops at a diner where Flea works as busboy and he realizes that he spent basically most of his money on Motorama cards. And apparently the, the diner's theme is Groucho Marx glasses in this film, which is weird because they have a vending machine that has... Groucho Marx glasses, and all the patrons are wearing Groucho Marx glasses. Then Flea throws Gus's food away, so Gus poses as the health inspector using the Groucho Marx glasses and levies fines against the kitchen staffs so that he could fill his wallet with with some money. He also tells Flea to look for some tubing and a can so he could siphon gas from another car, and Flea knocks out the restaurant manager with a frying pan, which has no, no, no bearing on the plot, but he does it.
0: It's always interesting when I realized that this was Flea, that he must have had one hell of an agent back in this time period that he's just randomly popping up in these movies. I'm like, again, I wasn't alive back then. So I'm like, I know Red Hot Chili Peppers were popular around this time. Um, you were alive in 91. Yeah. No, I'm talking about like when he's in Back to the Future, you like know, stuff like two, that. Two, which
2: you're also alive for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he plays um, Michael J. Fox's boss. Oh, man. Back to the Future. I'm that old? <laughs> yes. We're all that old. <laughs> yeah, that, that was Back to the Future, too. Yeah.
1: yeah. And the first Back to the Future came out the day after I was born. So I, I lived
0: in a world without <laughs> There we
2: go. Well, <laughs> Flea's not in that long. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was confused. I was like, Mark was definitely alive in 91. Unless, <laughs> that was not Mark's my point. still pretend he's 30.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, tu- you... I turned 29 in a week and a half. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> us, uh, us old guys.
0: Well, my point was being that of the members of Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's just interesting that Flea shows up in all these movies. Um, yeah. So I haven't read much on his background. Maybe. Do you guys know? Was he like, like auditioned for stuff in a child actor? Like it's just, it's always a weird thing to me. Maybe it's
1: just me. Maybe it was just that Anthony Kiedis was too busy shooting up heroin under under, under the, the bridge under
2: the bridge <laughs> at the time. Yeah, he could Anthony be. Kiedis had a very messed up lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, so the only logical sense was flee. Yeah,
1: I mean, he is in a lot in the as early as the Outsiders in 1983 as Soch number three. So I wonder
2: if he wanted to be an actor before becoming a a a musician. Maybe he was also in Thrashing and Less Than
1: Zero. Yeah, he was in a lot of stuff before, so, even before Back to the Future too.
0: So he's the reverse Keanu Reeves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, with uh, a name like Flea, it's probably you know people are gonna remember you.
2: Yeah, and he's and you know what he he never takes himself seriously in any of his roles, so it's kind of perfect to have him because you get the name and mm-hmm. you get the over the top performance. And he's kind of weird looking. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> What's this kind of? He's very weird looking. <laughs> wasn't he Back to the Future? Oh, no, not, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. Man. The what? Big Lebowski. Uh, I think he was.
1: He was one of the uh, nihilists, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah I mean, he was he...
1: Also nihilist number two, Kiefer. Also in Fear and Lily in Las Vegas.
2: Right. I mean, and all the... of these are tailor made for him. And the Psycho remake. What? With Vince Vaughn yeah oh weird <laughs> well good for him we need flea back flea's got a pretty good uh pretty good agent i guess he should be in the next mad max movie yeah he probably should be right and it's a crime that he never plays the bass in any of his in any of the movies he's in he should just always have a bass with him oh he could have been
1: sense he could have been uh,
2: the guitarist in in mad max mad max your Road. yeah exactly just keep laying down some sick bass beats come on total missed opportunity uh
1: yeah so the kid manages to siphon gas out of a couple's car but they catch him putting it into his car and the guy hits him and knocks him out the guy played by jack klompas from
2: seinfeld <laughs> you remember him he was morty seinfeld's friend yes he was the guy who the guy he's on the, the board pen. right yeah. <laughs> yeah take the pen come on <laughs> take the pen <laughs> yeah. well it, it was like a bribe or something like that right
1: well he he Seinfeld, he's like, he says, Oh, this is a cool pen. It's like you go right upside down. And like, I could totally use a pen like that. And then he's like, Ah, take the pen. Take the pen. Come on. And then he (laughs) begrudgingly takes it. And then his parents are mad at him for taking the pen.
2: Right. I do remember that. Uh, He he is kind of, uh, I don't think he reads the room correctly in this movie because he just (laughs) kicks the shit out of this kid.
1: (laughs) This is one of the first moments where this kid just gets put through the ringer
2: he punches (laughs) this kid right in the goddamn eye (laughs) i I think remember at the beginning of the show where you said at one point it takes a turn i think this is where that turn is and it takes a hard left turn
1: yeah this is where it gets wild yeah and uh, oh yeah uh, this mary warren plays his wife so they knock him out and they take him to either their house or a motel room kid comes to and they've like officially kidnapped him because he is now tied up and he, they call him a thief and, and don't really know what their plan is. But then he apologizes and says, hey, I kind of need a doctor to look at this eye. And they kind of begrudgingly call a doctor. And then the kid passes out. The doctor comes in and he sees. He says he needs to operate on their son's eye or else the kid's going to lose it. So they say it's their decision. And they decide that the kid should lose an eye because it'll help them help him build character.
2: character. <laughs> no, they're not wrong. I mean, you do have a lot that's an obstacle to overcome, so Sure. Thanks, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so then Gus passes out again. He has a dream about Drew Barrymore
1: telling him he won Motorama, but then she says he didn't, and he sees cockroaches on his feet and he wakes up to Jack Klumpas putting lipstick on him. And that's 8 seconds that Drew Barrymore is in in this movie despite being heavily cool. featured on the cover.
2: Yeah.
1: And it looked yeah. like it was
2: uh it was the kid version of Drew Barrymore, right?
1: Oh yeah, she's probably 19 in this movie at this yeah. point. Yeah.
2: Well, th- that's 92. How old would she have been? I I got really nervous when you said that there were boobs in this movie because I immediately went to Drew Barrymore. I was like, oh no, this can't be good because she looked really young and um, she could have been even. Poster.
1: She might not have even been 18 at the point. At that point, let's see. Uh, of course, I have to click see full cast to get. Her. She would yeah. have
0: been um, 16.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, man. I, that would have been. And I know you said that the 90s were a wild time, Aunt, but I don't think that would have flown in 1991. Well, me. luckily we don't have to deal with
1: that because she right. she was not the one showing the boobs. So he has that dream, and then he wakes up and did they rape this kid it's heavily implied that he was molested yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah. as i said jack clomp is putting lipstick on him and he passes out and then he wakes up and the two have obviously fucked at least while he's in the and he wakes up with all that lipstick that jack Klomp has put on him smeared ac- all over his face so they don't specifically say it but we're i guess meant to assume that he just got diddled or something
2: it's a night he he's happy he's probably not going to remember
1: yeah i mean he lost an eye so that's terrible and then you just add insult to injury yeah this not this
2: made up country this made up country is a perfect place if you want to be the worst person ever because Mm -hmm. you get away with literally anything in this movie
1: Yeah. yeah there is no ramifications for any anything that anybody does except no. for the kid the <laughs> right. kid the kid his the the worst thing he does is that he pulls that string on that kite and i think that's that's where he starts to get punished after so it, that.
2: Was, it was god you're saying
1: i think that i think that is kind of the ending of this yes
2: interesting but you see yeah i never thought of that yeah that's that would be a very good way to change uh, to make the movie better it mm. just all turns out to be acts of god yeah I think this is sort
1: of a I think this movie is sort of sort of a dis uh, the odyssey. He goes on a hero's journey of sorts where he is punished throughout until he goes back to the gas station, which not coincidentally has a be fulfilled sign there. so he is going to stay with Phil and make sure that he he gets his absolution as well.
2: I have to remember to bring it up at the end. I feel like there's a um, a continuity error with okay. it, but we'll, sure. when we get there, I'll bring it up.
1: Okay. Another, so the kid wakes up in the morning and he runs off. Uh, he cleans himself up in an abandoned truck tire that's collected water and drives off. And then we get another scene of him opening up Motorama cards without collecting anything he needed. winds up in a biker bar eating PB&J sandwiches where Meatloaf is there arm-wrestling other people. And then he walks up to the kid and says, hey, why don't you take me on? We'll do 10 bucks a a round. And the kid's like, I really don't want to because you're Meatloaf and you're just going to destroy me. And Meatloaf is like, ah, come on, kid. I'll let you win a couple times if you start losing too much. So Gus doesn't want to, but then he sees the cop again who he's trying to hide from. So he decides to play. And then Meatloaf just wipes the floor with him. Just toying with him
2: it, why would you why would you play the game to be incognito with the cop because as soon as he accepts the arm wrestling match one of the guys yells arm wrestling match over here right so that's the opposite of laying low so i yeah. kind of feel like the kid deserved to lose his shirt in this yeah. at least part of his shirt as we come right. to find out it's the, just the sleep
1: yep yeah, so he wipe, they wipe the floor with him, and Gus winds up being in debt to Meatloaf for 50 bucks, but all Gus has is 20 So then he's just like, I'm going to level with you guys. The reason why I can only give you 20 bucks is because I'm on a mission to collect the last four letters of the Motorama game, and I'm going to win $500 million. So Meatloaf and his crony tell him they could help him get those last four letters— so they force a tattoo on him that says Torah, T-O-R-A, the last four letters he needs. He lost an eye, and he now has a tattoo forced upon him. I think he has multiple tattoos. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. got an entire sleeve, up and yeah. down.
2: Yeah. And he and doesn't take just... proper care of it afterwards, either. And, he and gets they, the also... sun immediately. No, and no they good. also
0: just ripped the sleeve off the jacket.
2: Or, <laughs> right. yeah. Could have just taken the jacket off.
1: <laughs> so at this point, Gus is low on cash, and he winds up getting himself a cup of coffee and a car wash and then winds up at a picnic area where some kid makes fun of his one eye and Gus is like oh it's fine i used to be just like that kid so the <laughs> woman takes it upon herself to make that a uh, free pass to make fun of that kid's eye so we go she eggs on her kid to make fun of Gus just a little bit more which is a weird moment yeah. and then uh, the kid sees Dick Miller playing horseshoes with his kids man if Dick Miller is having kids at that age man good for him yeah. Not good so, for the kids. No. <laughs> uh, he lasted about 20 more years, almost. Uh, so he's playing horseshoes. Gus comes up to him and is like, hey, why don't you make it interesting? Let's play each other in horseshoes. And Dick Miller doesn't really want to, but he goads him by just telling him that his kids are going to make think he's less of a man, basically, if he doesn't play him in horseshoes. And then Gus is apparently a female in horseshoes and winds up beating Dick Miller for $100 worth. With one eye. Yep, with one eye and dick miller says he can't afford the hundred dollars but then he's like um but maybe there's a way so he gives 100 to gus and then he takes the kids to go to the bathroom and then he ditches them there right in the picnic area and him and his <laughs> wife drive off and the <laughs> and
2: wife is totally okay with it that's, that's the, the end of that chapter
0: <laughs> and and that's the oddest shot of the movie is they cut back to the kid just sitting there holding hands and the it's, kids don't know what to do
2: it's so depressing <laughs> Like, where, what is going on in this movie And what is losing $100 have to do with getting rid of your kids? I guess he's just like, I can't afford these kids anymore.
0: It's two two less mouths to feed on the road home. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: it's the uh, Joe Dirt origin story. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So then we get another montage of Gus stopping at some gas stations and opening cards. He's opening cards while he drives. He opens up a T, one of the letters he needs, but doesn't realize it and throws out the window. And he slams on the brakes when he realizes it, and sitting on the ledge of a dam, tries to grab it, but then wind sweeps it up and into the air. It hangs in the air for a while then falls into his hands. So now he has a T. Then he goes back into his car and immediately opens up an O and an A. So now he's got three of the four that he needs. So at this point, I think the screenwriter realized he's two-thirds through his script, and the kid still needs four letters. So it was just (laughs) boom, boom, boom. He's got three of them. Uh, That's like
2: opening up a a pack of Pokemon cards and getting the the Charizard immediately. Yep. And then a couple more holographic cards. You're like, oh, okay, we just got to throw these in there. Let's do this.
0: With this happening so quickly, I'm just looking forward to the Barry Seals cut.
2: <laughs> yeah. There was another two hours where he has to uh, go through the gauntlet to get those other three letters. Yeah. He continues
1: driving and opening up cards as he goes. Two things. A, there was at points where I thought there uh, there's going to be like a gust of wind that blows through his his windows and blow all the cards off of the dashboard cuz he has them just all lined up and two he litters like a motherfucker
2: yeah yes. i i forgot to mention that every time he pulls a card that's a you know not a winning card he throws it out the window what
0: he an deserves asshole every
2: bad thing that
0: happens yeah. to
1: him see
2: he's yeah. not realizing the bad things he's
1: doing we- is why he keeps getting punished
0: yeah And yeah, and we say it again, the 90s were a different time.
1: This is a weird, it's like a weird thing to have like a morality tale and like a hero's journey for a kid that's trying to escape an abusive family. It's it's like, you know, Odysseus in the Odyssey was punished for being prideful and an asshole. I mean, this kid's an asshole, but sure. But like, he's coming from a terrible, terrible, like living situation.
2: But he it's doesn't make thrust, it easy on it,
1: himself it's weird to thrust this upon a kid is what i'm saying
2: <laughs> well i mean he he gets a guy ran over by a semi truck right mm. he conv- well he helps a man leave his kids behind right he bilks him out of money
1: oh yeah and then, i'm not saying i'm not saying he doesn't do things that is worthy of
2: punishment yeah he's far from the hero
1: yeah
2: i, w- I w- at this point in the movie i'm super happy that he's getting put through the ringer And I'm just like laughing to myself every time something happens. Oh, yeah, because it's like starting this movie, I didn't think we were going to witness a kid lose an eye. No, yeah, me neither. I was very surprised when you said that.
1: Yeah. So the montage continues. Eventually, he comes upon a deserted gas station, a bunch of discarded cards, but not the R that he needs. He winds up saying damn a lot. (laughs) Uh, Eventually, he makes it to Essex, which is a trippy state that has drug addicts, people shooting popes in the middle of the street, KKK cross burnings. And Essex is much less scenic than the rest of the movie and it's probably just like LA highways mostly after that. As he's driving he gets distracted and nearly gets hit by a semi causing him to drive into a ditch. He stumbles out and his hair is noticeably grayer than all than it was in all the movie, which was weird and he comes upon another car accident uh, there's an old man and what I think is another Mustang or exactly the exact same car for obvious reasons but how and the old man is just talking about how all he needs is the r in motorama and he's been spending his whole life trying to find the r that was a nice touch to dress him exactly the same way the kids dressed
0: that was pretty good
1: and the old man says he spent his whole life trying to get the r even named all his kids r names and hopes to appease god
2: so it all just comes back to god
1: yeah although it's kind of weird because that's not why the kid's doing it and if we're drawing the parallels it's
2: where it ends kind of yeah yeah I didn't make that that connection because I had to rewind it where he almost hits the truck, careens off the side of the road, comes mm-hmm. back, and the car's already there, and which implied that the accident already happened. I was like, wait a minute, what? Did we miss something? What happened to? Where did this guy come from? But right. now it makes sense, I guess, in that timeline, he didn't miss the truck, and the truck hit the car. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean that. I'd have to go back and watch, but I would guess that this is also the same old man that gets thrown into the stream at the beginning of the movie. Uh,
2: maybe. I thought the the other old man had like a mustache or so. He looked like a prospector. I
1: don't know. I would just guess because the way the, the same ma- he's thrown into the stream, the same manner that the kid is thrown out the window. So that parallel is there.
2: How cool know. would it have been if this was like a multiverse movie? It sort of is. Yeah. yeah. If they just leaned into it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy so gus steals the old
1: man's car and drives off because there's no other way to explain how he gets the mustang because he wasn't getting his car out so gus comes upon another gas station and is helped out by a mute attendant named elmer and he goes to wash his hands in the sink and sees a reflection of the old man in the mirror so we're drawing those those comparisons elmer gives him a card but he says that's the only one he has As Gus drives off, he opens the car to reveal that it's the final R that he's been looking for. Gus decides to drive all the way to Nakatomi Plaza, which in this movie is the headquarters of Camaragas. He calls up Camaragas' office from the lobby and talks to Miss Lawton. Miss Lawton tells him that he hasn't won. He's eligible for the grand prize. Then Gus hangs up on her. Go ahead, Mark.
0: The fine print. Always read the fine Yeah. And it's not even very fine in this case.
1: No, he reads it aloud. And yeah.
2: He yep. says, no. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't. It doesn't. He doesn't register that, but it's he reads in, it aloud. It's in bold upper, cl- uppercase letters. <laughs>
1: Basically, yeah.
2: <laughs> I. It would have been cool, cool if he enters Nakatomi Plaza and the one henchman is there. The, the um, Tony totally the uh, Fu Manchu, <laughs> al Young, whatever the yeah, name how is. How cool would that have been? He's like the like one of the security guards or something <laughs> like that. Or the one that looks like Huey Lewis. Yeah, that would have been or so cool. Bet, bet on the game. <laughs> yep damn, I got 50 bucks on them assholes.
1: <laughs> you can say uh, it in
2: this movie. It's rated R.
1: Yeah. So Gus hangs up on her and then looks at the directory to find Miss Lawton's name. Uh, no tell if he saw William Clay's name there.
2: Oh, then heads that's, up to I the office.
1: Same thing. That oh, would have been great. Been so
2: good. Oh, damn it. I, I totally forgot about that part, but I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> like, oh, That'd be so cool if he's jumping up and down and you just see W. Clay. Yeah.
1: So Gus goes up to the office and the receptionist asks him to tell him where he got the R. He's like, I have no clue. I've been to every gas station up and down this every state. How am I going to remember where I got the R from? But she's like, I have a big book of gas stations and just check it out here. Any of these look familiar? And then he just ignores her and walks into Miss Lawton's (laughs) office and tells. And Miss Lawton tells him that no one is actually supposed to win Motorama. It also then turns out that Miss Lawton is just a secretary and so she's just giving him the runaround. And he demands to talk to someone in charge, so Miss Lawton and security guard toss him out the window.
0: The funny part is, isn't this exactly exactly what the uh, McDonald's game was? Was that it was supposed to be like almost impossible to get Boardwalk and Park Place? Oh,
1: I'm sure, yeah. It? I think there's like there is like one Boardwalk in circulation, and then like a thousand. <laughs> like it's it's always easy to get Park Place, but it's impossible to get Boardwalk.
2: Yeah, he's he's super condescending to the uh, the lady who's pretending to run the, the whole contest. Yeah, you're just a secretary. I want to talk to the head honcho. Like, Damn, dude. <laughs> secretary is a real job. You're right. <laughs> and that's a person. <laughs> you, yeah. you don't have to be a jerk about it. And did either of you guys notice that he throughout the movie, he grows stubble? The kid grows stubble? I didn't notice the stubble. Is- I noticed the hair. Yeah, he grows stubble.
0: It's He dyes his hair, right?
2: I don't know if it's dye or if it's from the accident where the, the uh, dust gets in his hair. Right. But he looks... Yeah, I think it's just trying to portray that a lot of time has gone by and he's, you know, ragged. But mm. yeah, you go back and look. He, he has a five o'clock shadow at the end of the movie. <laughs> I didn't
1: notice that. That's pretty good. So they toss him out the window, which is the second movie you could see someone fall out of the same building. But as he falls out the window, his eye... Comes back, he loses his tattoos, and he gets his sweatshirt sleeve back, and he lands in the water where we saw the old man get tossed. He then washes his face again in the water that he did the first time, and it's obvious we're back at the beginning of this movie before Gus started the search for Motorama.
2: Wouldn't it be cool if it was like the old man had some psychedelics in his blood, and (laughs) And as he's washing his face, the psychedelics are getting into Gus somehow, and he's just tripping balls? Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I'm trying to think trying to draw a comparison to what this movie
1: is like in terms of like this wind up being he gets a second chance at everything
2: yeah mm-hmm. i don't know and does they never really say if he was thi- like just imagining this or if it or if it all re- yeah if it all happened because he never really makes any what's the word like he never makes any acknowledgement that right this was all in his head yeah it's like a christmas carol
1: i guess is the best sort comparison. of
2: yeah right? yeah that's that's probably the closest
1: or wizard of oz really but that was a dream and we don't know if this is a dream
2: yeah we, with wizard, wizard of oz we do know that she was yeah. you know it was like she's knocked unconscious and she was dreaming it this we have we have no idea he could have just been thinking must... well, yeah, this, this could possibly happen
1: mark you you grew up in catholic school right yes so the story of job oh god <laughs> so Job, uh, so Job is basically put through the ringer because God and the devil have a bet to see if job's devoutness of God can be tested basically, right?
0: yeah, the only put, the only thing I remember of that is is the last part you said was that it was you know a test of his devoutness because all the people around me used to say, you know when things get hard, you know this is just your job trial of job or something like that. I,
1: I'm gonna check to see if Job loses an
2: eye. I know Not he kills correctly. his kids. I mean, he sacrifices his kids to God. I think that's somebody else. And yeah. There's a lot of people. Like God was kind of weird back in the day.
0: Yeah, so yeah. the joke is always that Old Testament God is an asshole. Right, mm-hmm. and
2: then he has his kid and he settles yeah. down.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he, he mellows out.
0: He mellows out. i got to yeah. be good for my kid. He turns who is it, someone's wife into salt because she turns around and looks back at Sodom as they're yeah. running away. Like he's just a dick.
2: <laughs> yeah, he didn't he didn't play games, man. Old Testament <laughs> God didn't play around. No. We're, we're we're devolving into a a Bible podcast here. Yeah,
1: yeah I I'm, I'm trying to find I'm trying to see if he if you if one of the things that happens to Job is that he loses an eye cuz that would be an obvious parallel. So goes Job. Yeah. I mean, he kind of is, really. If if you if you take it from not really, not because he wasn't devout to begin with. If Phil right. goes on this journey, it's it Phil makes more sense. Does, but he openly kind of mocks Phil for his belief in God, yeah, um, he calls him schmuck. And from then on, he goes on to a journey where he where does he wind up? He winds up back with Phil, right, and and fully embracing Phil's life and fully embracing the the absolution that Phil believes and, in.
0: And that could be a reason why. He goes when he goes back in time. He goes back to after Phil. That's what I'm. He goes, goes right before.
1: Up. No, he doesn't. He goes right before because well, everything. The, lo- he's
0: in the body cast.
1: Yeah. Oh no. So 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 Phil is so Phil is. But in terms of yeah. the the exact moments that we see Gus go through, he washes his face in the stream in the beginning. That's before he ever gets to Phil. Oh, Correct. Okay. He passes the Motorama sign again. This time he scoffs at it. But he passes that sign before he ever gets to Phil. So, okay, so Phil I it's has been. Okay, a
0: continuity error. Or something? That's
1: what I was. I don't think it's a continuity error. It might be like just a flub. No, I I think it's I think it's intentional. I think they put Phil in a body cast for the humor aspect of it. But I think yeah, I, I think it's a, a mixed metaphor. I think closest to it, it's just like
0: they they were expecting that if you made it this far into this movie, that the timeline being screwed up wasn't going to turn you off.
1: Yeah, I mean, because because the events line up properly, and because the guy we haven't gotten to it yet. We're almost at the end. The guy at the end that stops for gas runs into the same exact semi that runs over Phil.
2: Yeah. yeah. So then, how does he get into the body cast?
1: So it's all like I feel like Gus is on his own timeline, sort of sort of like a time travel thing, but not really a time travel thing. So Phil's Phil's is a straight line. You know, Phil's okay. timeline is a straight line um gus's is more of a circle
2: so now are we entering donnie darko territory here so,
1: a little bit a little bit uh, yeah maybe i don't know
2: <laughs> because don't that's know how I we're making understand. it out to
1: be i don't know if i fully understand donnie darko but uh but yeah he essentially <laughs> from from how i would map it um maybe, yeah so phil phil would be yeah it's
2: tough we got to see if there's a Reddit link. This movie, at first glance, is really just a silly movie, right? Where, you, mm-hmm. like you said, they just kind of throw things up against the wall and they just go with it. But we've kind of broken it down to where there might have been a deeper meaning yep. and it just didn't come across that well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's there. You see it's there, but I think it's a little, I think the ambition of it kind of muddies it a bit. So you see those seedlings of there's there's something here in terms of a metaphor or an allegory. And it's almost there, almost getting to the, the, the goal, the goal line. But there's something there that's just me- at least messing us up in terms of what it all means.
2: Um, but that, that's what was so good about this movie, I think, where, you know, it's so dumb, but it's not it's not absurd Terrible. You know what I mean? It's it's like yeah. it said. It's not tiptoes where it's just so bad. It made no sense. The writing was terrible. This really it it was meant to be absurd. It was written to be absurd. Sure. And yeah. it it pulled it off perfectly. Even though you know, like the I hated the kid for the most part. Everyone is just batshit crazy in this movie. But it works. It all works together somehow. And it it's hard to explain it. hmm.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to get back into this plot so we can finish up here. We don't have much left. All the way in the beginning, you never really see what Gus was making in the garage. You you see it here and there in the context of what he uses for it, but he made these boots in order to use the, the pedals for the car. So he takes these boots off, and he tosses them aside into like a canyon, and then he decides to hitchhike. Eventually, he gets picked up by a man in a station wagon, who seems like the nicest guy in the, in the movie. Sings as he drives, and eventually he stops at a gas station, and we find out it's the same gas station from the beginning, and Phil's there in a full-body cast, still pumping gas. Phil's having a little trouble doing that, so Gus helps him out, and then Gus tells the man that picked them up that he's going to get off here, and the guy's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, it's not such a pl- doesn't look like such a bad place to work. There's a help-wanted sign, which was in the help-wanted sign in the beginning. There's a conversation between Gus and the cop, and he was like, do you work here? And Gus was like, no. And then he's like, well, maybe you should, because it's a nice place to work. And so he kind of echoes that here. So Gus takes a job at the gas station with Phil. Phil not only happens to have a spare uniform, he also has Gus's name tag for him. And then just Gus and Phil wait around for cars. And in the morning, a car pulls up, and the guy says he just won a million bucks in Vegas asks Gus if he wants to touch his money, and then almost slams the trunk on Gus's fingers, takes a piece of gum from Gus, and then drives off. Then he gets hit by the same semi that hit Phil in the beginning. And then Gus and Phil continue to wait for cars. That's the end. He's <laughs> living out a solemn life of happiness with Phil.
0: I, I love that even the nicest man in the movie, the Prince as a Hitchhiker, has like a very dark line. He says something like, oh, I love singing, because they don't let me do it at work, or something to that effect. <laughs> um, and it's just like, Okay, like <laughs> that's really dark.
2: Yeah, you can't do it on the job.
0: Can't do it on yeah. the job. That's what it's.
2: Yeah. Th- this movie ends on such a dumb line too. It's Phil and Gus just hanging out in the sun, and it would have been cool if they just ended it there. You know, the, who knows what's gonna happen next? Just almost like a um the graduate kind of yeah. ending sure. where they're just you know hanging out, not doing anything. Life goes on. But it, <laughs> Gus asks Phil. If he listens to the radio, and and Phil says, "No, I don't listen to music," and then <laughs> Gus says, "I like music." End of yeah. the movie. I
1: like the little moment though, like of the little moment of affection that Phil shows in the body cast. Oh, he gives him a like, little
2: like tap on the shoulder. Little tap on the shoulder. As like boy
1: just yeah. <laughs> and that's the movie. Yeah, it was a it was a trip, man. Yeah. I think we yeah. Uh, I think we got into places of conversation that I was not expecting. But uh, I was, was not expecting
0: like... Joe to come up in, in, yeah. and call this a movie <laughs> podcast.
1: But I think, you know, sussing all this out, it kind of,
2: you know, it just came out up, up to the surface. Don't let anyone say that. We don't get deep on they called this a movie.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, We're intellectual AF.
1: <laughs> uh, is there anything you would do to make this movie better?
2: Yeah, I, I like the idea of it just being a bad trip where Gus drinks the blood of the old man and just goes on a bad trip, man. and it, this movie spelled drugs from the get-go, really. or what if he what if he was dead the whole time? His parents killed him. his father killed him, and it's oh, just, shit. How dark would that be? I believe Pretty damn dark. Uh, I
1: believe other podcasts would call that a Jacob's ladder scenario. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, with uh, <laughs> Tim Robbins was dead the whole time, right? Yep. yeah, I mean, that would have been nuts, man. in the beginning of the movie, we see the drill drilling in. What if it's the drill into the kid and it was just never shown like that? And that's, this is what he was, he was dreaming of as he died. That'd be crazy. Don't let anyone say we don't get dark on this podcast. We...
0: <laughs> that was too dark even for me to be honest. I'm so sorry. Uh, what about you there, Mark? Uh, the only thing I would have, would have had it been, I would have much rather have liked it being a drug trip than the actual ending. It's really the ending that I would change. I'm assuming my dislike of the first two-thirds of the movie has more to do with my emotional state at that point watching it. So maybe if I go back and see it again, I'll, I'll enjoy the absurdity. I just didn't like how they did the switcheroo, and then it got all confusing. Like, if it ended up being that he passed out on that side of the road from heat stroke or a bad trip and dreamt the whole thing, for the most part, I'm like, okay, that... It makes sense. Just change that ending up. Make it make it a different ending. We can still end up with Phil. Okay. To be honest with you, I,
1: I wouldn't change much. I don't hate how the ending kind of wraps wraps back around. I feel like it, I would love it to be a little more clear, but maybe that's just me not, not getting it. So I don't know if I could really say that I could fault the movie for that. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, That's the reason why I like it is that it's just so weird. And some of it doesn't make any sense. I kind of appreciate when movies don't really hold your hands. I love the fact that this is a a movie starring a 10 year old boy and he says fuck a handful of times and it's a it earns its R rating. That's very product of its time. This is one of my favorite movies that we've done in a long time. Probably going back as far as Joseph Minion's last movie he wrote, which was Vampire's Kiss.
2: <laughs> Tune in to Anthony's next episode where it's just boring as fuck. <laughs>
1: yeah, you guys, uh, you guys got anything else, or you want to plug your shit and get out of here?
2: Go watch this movie and let us know if you think we're even remotely close to the same uh, the same parallels that we're drawing here because yep. i'm i would love to hear if anyone else has the same kind of ideas about this because this movie is definitely left up to interpretation but um yeah, yeah it is on amazon as,
1: prime it's on amazon prime
2: yeah so i mean 60% on rotten tomatoes right not terrible it's worth yep. a watch if you go by rotten tomato scores mm-hmm. um but yeah other than that where you can find me, uh, aquino 122 on Twitter, at StrangerDamies on Twitter as well, and on Instagram. We just reached 800 followers, so we're, we're closing in on 1K, man. Nice. Yeah, join the revolution, friends. <laughs> we're the wave of the future. Follow us on there. We love to chat with, with people. It's a very good community. And, yeah, that's it for me.
0: Great. Yeah, so uh, the... Uh... Normal podcast uh, plug, we have Stranger Damies every Wednesday. That's strangerdamies.podbean.com. You can get us on iTunes, Google Play, basically anywhere you can get a podcast. Just search Stranger Damies every other Monday, which means we release an episode this Monday. We do the Game Vault podcast, which is myself and friends of they called us a movie, Jen and Tom. We do video games. We play a retro game every episode and just talk about that. Again, airs every other Monday. You can find us iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. We stream mostly. Uh, I think we're going to be pretty consistent at least four to five days a week. The fifth day being we do the retro roulette game every other Monday and stream but uh, weekly you'll have Wednesday. Right now we're playing Destiny 2 on that. Thursday, I play American Truck Simulator where we just bullshit about things that have happened throughout the week in video games. And Friday or Saturday, depending on when we record the podcast, is our Dead by Daylight stream with Jen. And then on Sunday, uh, sorta just something to wind down with. We've been playing Civilization. Dan came within like three to four turns of actually winning it, which was kind of amazing. So be sure to watch the uh, video on demand on YouTube and where all of our streams go up to afterwards. So the Twitch is game vault pod and we're everywhere. Social media game vault pod. So check us out.
1: Okay. Yeah. And that's going to wrap it up for they called this movie. We are, they call this a movie and you can find us at they this a movie. Dot Dot com. We are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram under the main damies umbrella. So you could find us there. Just look for the main damie and we'll pop right up. And you could get They Called This Movie an all-podcast streaming app. So Stitcher, Google Play Podcast, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your your podcast. iTunes, obviously. Look for They Call This Movie, and we should be there. If you're there, you might as well give us a five-star review, which would be helpful. If you've got time, I'm sure you do. A lot of us are just staying in, in the house. Get right in those reviews. It'll help us out a great deal. You have no idea. We are a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at GBNation.com and on all social media platforms. Just look for Geek Vibes Nation and they'll pop up. They've got a bunch of great shows. Scene and Nerd, Two Nerdy Girls or something like that. Top Ten with Tia. I promise you one day I will write these down and there will be more <laughs> shows that I've mentioned. But there's something for everyone there. Sports are probably getting back up soon, so they're probably going to have some sports shows. If you're into geek culture, they've got plenty of people that are super into geek stuff, and they all got shows there. So that's Geek Vibes Nation, gvnation.com is their main website. If you have any comments for us, any suggestions for what movies to talk about, hit us up. The main at gmail.com, or feel free to hit us up on Twitter as well. That's probably where we're the most active, and I'm at Antelvec on Twitter. Hit me up there too. So that's gonna wrap it up for this week. This week was Motorama. And it was directed by Barry Shills. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling Barry Schills to go fuck himself.